This is the podcast for January 28th, 2011. It's not safe for work. Recorded live at the Apollo 17 Memorial Bed and Breakfast, it's The Professional Left with Drift Lass and Blue Gal. Ironic that we're abusing satellite technology. Yes, we are. With Skype uh, mm-hmm. on the uh, few days after the president said that we're living the La Vida Sputnika. Yeah. And, what uh, night? Apollo 17. Tell me about that. Um, Apollo 17, uh, 38 years ago, just about exactly, um, in, in December 1972, you know, while Richard Nixon was president, the, the space age, the manned space exploration above low Earth orbit, which is what we're talking about, you know, mm-hmm. that, that the great frontier ended, as far as the United States is concerned, over almost 40 years ago. Sputnik started the space race and Apollo 17 ended the space race. We, you know, overcame a lot of people who said it was impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, the only people who were believing in it at the time mostly were science fiction writers like Robert Heinlein, take a drink, <laughs> or Ray Bradbury, take a drink, or the rest of them. But then we went and we picked up a few rocks and we did some cool exploration and it's been f- almost 40 years and we never went back. We gave up. We said, okay, we did that. Let's move on. Well, and um, then we went on to we the space shuttle and the and the space sure. station. So we've done other things, but well, the uh, space the space shuttle and the space station are low Earth orbit things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They they are a few hundred miles in space. You know, the moon is one hundred and eighty six thousand miles away from the Earth. <laughs> it's yeah, a three day yeah, trip. Yeah, the space shuttle is essentially in our attic. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the idea was to beat the Russians to the moon. The challenge was go to the moon, bring a man home mm-hmm. by the end of one decade. And to do that, Kennedy could do all kinds of stuff. He could, first of all, he had, you know, he could he could invoke the commies. Yeah. He could make us afraid of for national security. Well, our enemy in this race, if you want to put it that way, uh, is China. Yeah. Where GE has factories. You know, yeah, GE yeah, works yeah. for the commies. So that's not you know, going to work. Yeah. The, the industrialists that NASA turned to to build... The space program now all work in China. Yeah, yeah. And they make their money in China. And they don't think of themselves as Americans anymore. No. Um, they no. don't pay taxes either. <laughs> right. So, you know, I mean, it's so not, true. It's not I'm not laughing because it's funny. It's just so true. Yeah. And Kennedy had a, a massive uh, reservoir of money. The United States was a net creditor nation in the 60s. We had unchallenged and, and, and it had an endpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to do this in 10 years. Yep. That was, it was a technical problem to be solved. But rebuilding a, an industrial base and a manufacturing base and a scientific base and an education base, that's not a technical problem. That's a social problem. Mm-hmm. And solving a social problem means you have to change the way Americans think about themselves and the way that they have uh, the relationship with government, the way businesses relate to the government, what it means to be patriotic, what it means to be American, and so forth. None of which um, we're prepared to do. Right. You know, we're not prepared to penalize companies that, that ship jobs overseas. No. No. We're not yeah. prepared to penalize uh, companies that – we give tax breaks to companies that ship jobs overseas. Yep. yep. Um, and and I know, think what Paul not, Krugman said about you know America is not a corporation where, no, that brings in profit for America. If we, ship, if we lower the cost of labor, that is not good for this country. No, and, it is and not. And se- our sense of what is good for the country really has to be – focused mm-hmm. on a strong, vibrant middle class, which it has not been for 30, 40 for, years. For, 
for 30, 40 years. And if you go back and look at something as corny and as old, everybody take a drink. Everybody prepare your shot glass. As Destination Moon, Robert Heinlein's one movie, Destination Moon from 1950, where we had to turn to industry, Blue Gal, because the government can't do this by itself. Only industry <laughs> can provide the wherewithal and know-how. And, and you had this industrial giant, you know, these, these men of industry, pulling together because they were all former army guys. Yeah, yeah, that's the other torture. thing. Is it was a they military had, thing. Yeah, yeah. They had a common sense of, you know, this is good for the country. Gentlemen, I want to go because no one's gone there before. It's good for the nation. You know, can you imagine, uh, you know, the head of GE saying, no, I'm going to take a massive loss in profit for the next 10 years because it's good for America. Yes. We don't, yeah, we're not going to accept any of our tax loopholes for the next 10 years because we want to contribute to America. No, yeah, of that, not. that sort of dialogue doesn't happen anymore. Nope. And in the absence of that, that sensibility, you have a simple profit and loss statement. You know, how do I personally, me personally, make as much money as I possibly can in the shortest time for possible? For my, my shareholders, and yeah. For me and for my, well, uh, and I'll get bonuses if I do that. Imagine if NASA had been run that way. You know, I imagine know, if the space program had run had been run on a on a profit and loss for the shareholders. Basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I liked the State of the Union. I thought it was a lovely speech. Yeah, and we're going to talk so a little bit was, about that. But before we do that, Drift Glass, I have a confession to make, and really? it may be I have to confess a, a moral failing. What morally. did you do? <laughs> what did you do? Saturday morning, I went online mm-hmm. and bought two. Countdown with Keith Olbermann coffee mugs <laughs> and gave money to GE slash NBC slash, you know, oh. uh, yeah, whatever that third company is. Or were they? Well, they didn't change the ad. They were just still up there. I was kind of shocked huh. that, you know, they weren't at least clearance priced, right? Or bumped yeah. up, price, you know, collectible. Yes. Now they're collectible. You can triple the price, right? Universal, that's the third one. Cable Town. <laughs> Yeah, that's what we're talking about here, Cable Town. I I lined the pockets of Cable Town. The mug division at Cable Town has to be. The mug division at Cable Town is now a little bit richer because I decided that a coffee mug with Countdown with Keith Olbermann. And, and, you know, my excuse is they're for my son, who's a huge KO fan, my 12-year-old, just cried. Uh I mean, literally, just, oh. No more KO. Oh no! What about worst persons? He was really upset, you know. So uh, I showed him the mugs, and then I told him about the Twitter feed, and I said, "See, Keith is still alive. It's not that he's gone forever. It's just that you know this show isn't just, there anymore. He's but, just gone to a better place. That's well, all." Well, I don't know about that, but you know, I will say this: I have known a couple of people in my life who have lost both their parents. Mm-hmm. In a short period of time, and I'm not going to psychoanalyze Keith Olbermann here, but right. Um, right. that changes you. And uh, I have a lot of sympathy for people who've lost their parents, you know, in a, a short span of time because your buffer between your sense of who you are and history and the history right. of your life changes at that point. And, you know, work has not been fun for Keith Olbermann for the past oh. four months. And I think no, if you, you know, again, I'm not read, I'm not trying to read into anything. I have, I have no idea what went through Keith Olbermann's mind or MSNBC's contract or anything. I don't know anything about it. Any insider information at all about this. But, but I have a lot of sympathy for Keith Olbermann's, for anyone who's been through that and has this sense of, you know, I no longer have parents to sort of live for. I have to live for myself. Right. And right. Uh, well, existentially, you're no longer on deck. 
Right. Exactly. You're at, you're at, you're at back. back. You know, exactly. You know, this is you're, now. You're, this is now. You're the one that's going to carry on your sense of family, your sense of uh, the place in the world where your people are. You're the. You're the at bat, as you say. That's a perfect analogy yep. for it. So, cool. if this isn't something, you know, if if life at work was just getting to be, you know, and David Schuster said it was never about the money for him. You know, he felt like he was making more than he, you know, could ever spend. So. He's doing what he wants to do, I think. Um, again, I'm not going to – it would be foolish to psychoanalyze it, but I think there's a, a, a also – you know, what Keith did – first of all, what he did was amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That he did it um, for, as uh, Lawrence O'Donnell said, that he did it for eight years. <clears throat> and, he, and he did essentially a, a full-blown, if you'll pardon the sort of metaphor, blog post, an hour-long full-episode blog post four days a week. <laughs> Which, yeah, which I think we can both agree is really hard to do. It's really hard, and and his staff is to be commended as well for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've heard uh, David and, Schuster and, also said a lot of really great things about you would come in and you'd be subbing for Keith, and they would have these pieces put together already that were just amazing, yeah. you know. And you, did, it wasn't like you were going to sit down. You didn't want to just sit down and read a script, but uh, the mm-hmm. work that the staff did to put the show together was was top notch. So. Hopefully they'll all find a place well, within I, I have television. A, Go ahead. There, there's a there's a theory going around Blue Gal that I'm trying to push actually <laughs> that uh, Lower Manhattanite um, is actually Keith Olbermann. Oh, uh, because because at the, at the week that Lower Manhattanite uh, at the group news blog who had disappeared for a year, mm-hmm. um, very 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 good writer, wonderful writer, um, one of the Steve Gilliard stable of folks out of which I came as well, reappeared suddenly. Ah. To do do a massive book length post on on a beautiful piece of writing, but all of which is to say, how many bloggers do you know? People who do this thing every day, sort of keep track of political content, you know, keep track of everything from Bradley Manning to start when it isn't your job. I don't work for the State Department. Right. I don't work for the Department of Labor. You know, this isn't. This well, isn't we don't my work for job. mainstream media either at all. Right. You know. We have no. Yeah. I have no LexisNexis search capacity on my computer that that you know I couldn't get at the public library. I suppose I can get it there, but uh, you know there's no special tool set. I have, uh, you and I don't have a staff or, or anything like that. No. But we do this every day. Yep. And after you know you've been doing this what six going on seven years now. Yeah. And I have to uh, say I am not abandoning my own blog, but I'm blogging less since I've started podcasting. But the podcast, the days that I'm not posting. I'm working on the podcast, uh-huh. so that's you know and it shows every day. Yeah, well, thank you. Quality. It, you can, it's the just, quality. It's just the, the this quality. place just stinks of quality, my friend. Just <laughs> reeks of quality. But imagine if you know that was on a one-hour broadcast. You can't tone it down. You can't. Right. I'm right. only going to do 40 minutes today. Right. I'm only right. going to do 20 minutes. Or I'm just going to do a Photoshop and, and not write anything underneath it. Right. Because yeah. and speaking as you know, you and I, and there's a handful of people that we know. Uh, who are the last of the single shingle blog? Right, right. Mm-hmm. You know that means on our sites we do all the content. I do all the photos. I do all the photoshopping myself. I do all the writing myself. I do mm-hmm. all the There's positioning myself. There's all- very few left. Jesus General, <clears throat> you, me, mm-hmm. uh, Ten Grain. Yeah, uh, Ten Grain's um, group. Ten Grain's group. Um, yeah, yeah, but he's you know, I know Dark he's, Black. I would say Dark. Well, he's not blogging anymore. 
Right. Well, see, <laughs> there, there's, you make my point. Yeah. And, and there's a few that, that participate in groups and sort of move back and forth between the two. Recta does his own thing, things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But people who, who really sort of crank out what I would regard to be professional-grade content every day, mm-hmm. even, just, even if it's something, anything, every day, are – all by themselves. The single shingle people are well, the, the dying breed. Well, and, and blogging as a medium is uh, becoming old school, which is, you know. It, it is. The, the, the world has become a world of Twitter feeds and mm-hmm. people who aggregate other people's work. Yeah, yeah. Which is it's neither good nor bad. There's no value judgment attached to it. It's just that's the way it is. Yeah. But Keith really was, he focused on putting out really good content on a very particular political um, from a very particular political point of view every day mm-hmm. across a wide variety of different sub subdomains for eight years. Yeah. And I gotta think he's exhausted. Yeah. Yes, I gotta right. think he's just fucking tired. Yeah. Like, you know, I it, believe me, you know, it, 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 it I would much rather from a you know mental health point of view and from a from a uh, sleep deprivation point of view be an aggregator. Yeah, I'd much sure. rather be somebody who's who you know runs a site with a stable of five or ten or fifteen or twenty writers who who crank or or who go out and you know scare up content. As you and I are recording this, our close personal friend Ariana Huffington is um, reporting live from Davos. Yeah, from which the, costs fifty nine thousand dollars to attend, doesn't it? Like the tickets are. Yeah. You had something on your blog about that. Like I call I call it the potlatch at the at the end of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> you and I are you know, trying to figure out how to get to Netroots Nation, where right, the f- right. the fee, you know, and we have submitted. By the way, we've submitted two ideas. I want everyone to know brilliant ideas, brilliant ideas Great for idea. for panels, yeah. so that we can, you know, so that first of all, so that we can contribute something to Netroots Nation, which we want sure. to do, and we are excited about the panels that we proposed. So I mm-hmm. want to make that clear. But the reason that we proposed panels, admittedly, is so that we can get there without paying $250 a piece for mm-hmm. the registration fee. And then right. you hear that Davos is $59,000 to attend. Yeah. And you have to get to and, Switzerland, you know, not well, that's, that's, drive that's to just, Minneapolis. That's just the base know? amount. That's the base. That's, that's a basic one ticket. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's not the oh, you know, group. Man. That's not your aircraft. That's not. It, it comes into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And Ariana Huffington goes is, every year. <laughs> well, yeah, she goes every year, yeah, and yeah. She, and that's that's again Good for her. That's yeah, fine for her. But I'm looking at her blog saying, oh, you know, Jennifer Aniston's bad hair paid for this. Yeah, and Lindsay so Lohan's so nipple on. slips. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to the Professional Left podcast, professionalleft.blogspot.com. It's just a very strange week for juxtapositions. Yeah. For example. Michelle Bachman's reply to the state of the union. Yeah, yeah. Chris Matthews was, you know, kind of shaking his head and saying she just doesn't understand history and she doesn't understand she's changing history and and or lying about history or something. What is she doing? And mm-hmm. this whole thing about slavery and we're a self-correcting nation. She said John Quincy Adams worked t- tirelessly to end slavery. Well, slavery, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and not rec- not even talking about the Civil War, then not talking about the Klan, then not talking about integrating the Jim army, Crow. It, Jim Crow, t- not talking about the Civil Rights Movement, not talking about economic in- inequalities in 2011 between blacks and whites. I mean, 
you know, none of that. Well, We're just well, going to go back to this colonial period and deify everything. And well, the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden, exactly, you know, and that's it's, it's, exactly it's, right. It's our pure, sinless state. Exactly. Where we and, were righteous and pure, and so we're going to take everything we love about, about, our, about our mythology. We're going to take Jesus and dinosaurs and Superman and – And, and, uh, and the Constitution. Uh, 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 Don't forget the Constitution. And the Constitution. Yeah. And our Second Amendment Bill of Rights and small government. And we're going to take all the stuff that we jerk off to and we're going to cram them into the Garden of Eden. Because they all have to be there at the at, – because we were not born in sin. At the inception we, we, because we became, exactly, This is a theological discussion. It's not exactly. a political discussion. Exactly. It's a theo- – she's creating a mythology of America that we will – we are then all invited to kneel down and worship before. Right, right. And it's really important to recognize that Michelle Bachman's district is 95.6% white. That mm-hmm. is where she comes from. And so, of course, Barack Obama is a usurper. He would be a usurper just being from Chicago. You know, the (laughs) fact that he's from Kenya, (laughs) you know, we have to really make it, you know, he's he's the outsider. He's the serpent in the garden. Yeah, the serpent in the garden. And he's trying to seduce you with liberalism. (laughs) And socialism. Yeah. Yeah. Take a Take a bite of that big government apple. You know, honestly. Honestly, and one of the things that I've been doing in the past uh, 24 hours is um, going back to D.W. Griffith's Birth of a Nation. Uh-huh. And that's the America. <laughs> she is recreating the America of the Klan. That this is yes. their vision of America, which is America has an Aryan destiny. And I'm not calling her a racist, and I'm not calling her a Klansman. What, but what I'm saying is... She sees America as a place of miracles for people like her. It's a Christian nation. It has a a manifest destiny brought to us by God. And so you have to envision America as being faultless at its inception. And Garden of Eden is the perfect way to put it because she needs that wholeness of our founding fathers leading us and we've strayed from their vision of perfection you know small government and agrarian you know like her district is you know this is <laughs> this is what's going on in her rhetoric yes but what i find so interesting about this is how convenient it is for her to completely deny atonement <laughs> Or <laughs> slavery, or uh-huh. you know anything that America has done that that hurt other people, that hurt its own citizens, and she has to do that because if there's atonement, then there can be no Tea Party. If we right. have to atone, then Republicans have to own up and, to what and, happened eight you know for eight years under Bush, and mm-hmm. they can't do that. They have they have to reinvent themselves, start afresh. But, you know, this is the thing that bothers me most of all, is that our president has bought into this, too. I mean, his speech was, win the future, win the future, win the future, and there's no sense of atonement at all in there of, you know, we screwed up. And I'm not saying that this doesn't work politically for him. It sure does. I mean, look at the numbers after that speech. Oh. It was 92% approval. That's like that's like God, Saddam yes. Hussein number. <laughs> Right? Yeah, yeah, but consider who he was talking to. Exactly. You know, exactly. His, his audience were boomers and boomers' parents. Yep. And so the manifest destiny of greatness, not, you know. 
It was that not works. No. It was it's... middle-aged and retiring people who were terrified of their future. Yep. And who remember fondly the, the glory days of the space race and the glory days of the space race and Kennedy. He's calling back to, um, you know, don't worry, we're going to make your retirement safe. Yeah. By going back to all the clever, ingenious, hardworking, you know, black tie and white shirt engineering crew cut days that made your youth so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and he did say he did include unions in that, which I thought was awesome. You know, you got to let people join unions. Hello. Uh, well, he hit every key on the piano, so yeah. you know, yeah. it's hard not to, yeah, be happy. He, he played every fucking key on the piano. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's wonderful. But um, he is definitely validating or underwriting Michelle Bachman's, and I agree she's not a Klansman, but she's a white supremacist. Yeah, yep. You know, the white supremacist ideology is that America was this paradise that was despoiled by, you know, people not people getting out of their place in the caste system. Yep. And the, the uppity northerners, the, the uh, know-it-all big government, intrusive federal government mm -hmm. coming down and telling us how to run our little paradise down here. Yeah. And from that moment, the hatred of all things union, all things labor, all things federal, mm -hmm. all things non-white became burned into their consciousness. Yeah. And, and so that's really just, what she's doing. And she's and, – and, you know, I'm not sure how conscious she is. I, I really have a bag of hammers <laughs> image in my mind when I think of her thought process, you know, dumber than A. Um, but well, she doesn't, she doesn't need to be smart. She needs to – be no, able to spew talking points exactly. on command and rehearse and rehearse and regurgitate the mythology and that's like you say that's just burned into the circuitry so yeah you know let's just expect miracles and know that working together like we did at Iwo Jima you know I want I wanted to do a Photoshop, but I thought it would be too easy. Instead of her pointing to Iwo Jima, you know, have her pointing to bread lines. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Soup kitchens, you know, and just like working together, we can feed the poor. Hello? Anyway, the disappointment that I have is, and I, again, I, I feel so often, I've felt like this. I swear to God, Drift Class, I have felt like this since 2007, like I'm the drunk on the back of the train who's sitting there <laughs> muttering to herself about torture and renditions and all of the crimes of the Bush administration. And everybody else wants to pour champagne and talk about change and hope and, you know, the future of America. And I'm in the, you know, I'm smelling of my own stink and, and no one wants to listen to me. And I, mm -hmm. I don't like being that downer. <laughs> you know, I, wa I no. want to be hopeful and, and have optimism for my country. But I do have this sense, and I find it ir highly ironic that it's the evangelicals in America who want to just turn away from the past. Well, because it's, I guess because it's their sin. Everybody wants to turn away from their own sin, you know. But, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know, I consider it my sin, too. I consider it my responsibility to account for what's happening at Guantanamo. You know, this is my Absolutely. country that's doing this. It is. And so there has to be a sense of, to me, of atonement. I was reading some, I can't even remember where I was reading it, someone talking about going through therapy, um, having been abused by her father. This woman was interviewed. 
And she said, you know, I went through two years of hating him and wanting him to have the same kind of pain he had inflicted on me. And then, you know, as gradually as I began to work through all of this, I recognized that what I really wanted was a recognition from him of my suffering. Right. And I just I wanted him to acknowledge that. And I wanted an opportunity to forgive him. Whether I decided to forgive him or not, I wanted an opportunity. You know, you can't forgive somebody if they don't come to you and acknowledge, if, if they have no acknowledgement that they've done anything wrong. You know, well, I haven't done anything wrong. Yeah. You know, well, well and that's, you know, at that point, you, there's a wall. You've, you've hit the core of the problem, yeah. which is um, I, I don't, you know, as much as, as my rhetoric gets sharpened for the purpose of writing a, a good good essay or doing a podcast, I, I don't hate the sinner. Mm-hmm. I hate the sin. Yeah. And, it, you know, if, if a conservative wants to atone, here you go. Turn off Fox. Yeah. That's it. Turn off Fox. Quit getting your information from this polluted, this demonstrably polluted source. And we'll, and, and, and I'll meet you halfway. Yeah. But they're not going to do it. Yeah. And that's the, that's the part where I don't any longer feel any particular um, sense of responsibility for trying extra super special hard to make them see my point of view. Yeah. They don't want to see my point of view. Mm-hmm. Their entire ideology is built around denying that I have a point of view or that it's valid. Well, yeah, because you're and, a liberal. And, so, you know, every, you know, yeah, they're going to reject you because you're and, a you know, liberal. Just, yeah. And I can sit down right now. I mean, you know, I, I, I have a very large email file and I can sit down right now because I've done it. You know, I, I get the email from so and so and I, I shoot out Michelle Bachman's, you know, uh, slavery denying video. Yeah, you know here here is the queen of the Tea Party, as you know as we've already discussed, completely inventing, not missing a fact, not mispronouncing a name, but from prepared remarks in front of a friendly audience, completely rewriting U.S. history in a way that is absolutely offensive, racist, and jaw droppingly stupid. Yep. And then I, and then I take my stopwatch out. I go click, 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 three, two, one. Well, Nancy Pelosi this, and unions that, and Acorn this. It's just, boom, just fucking yeah. bounces off of them. Yep. Nothing. And, and it's like, you know what? No, what you need to say is, I'm sorry for backing this crazy, batshit weirdo. That was mm-hmm. really stupid of us. We shouldn't have done that. But as, you know, but conservatives can atone. Because to atone is to admit that you made a mistake. And to admit you made a mistake means liberals were right. And well, then and the I, whole fucking temple collapses. Then yeah. the, whole, the, the whole thing falls apart. And they can't do that. So we're stuck in this stasis where, you know, the president of the United States can't point a finger at John McCain and say, you are the problem. Yeah. Because he would be – that 91% approval rating would become a 19% approval rating in a Overnight. fucking heartbeat. Yep. On Chris Matthews yesterday – we're recording this on Thursday, by the way. Uh, Wednesday afternoon, Chris Matthews had a – a person f- representing the Tea Party. Sh- he was not from Tea Party Express, which is the corporate arm of the Tea Party, oh, you know, the corporate. Let me just add one thing, Miguel, mm-hmm. a, a little reminder to our viewers and listeners. I don't care what Wolf Blitzer says, there's no such thing as a Tea Party. Right. There's it's the, the Republican base. the base of the Republican Period. Party. That's all they are. That's why the response was so hilarious. Yep. Two Republicans respond to one Democrat. Yep. And and, and that's true. That that's news. But yeah, the guy the from the Tea Party, the guy on television to represent some sort of Tea Party movement, 
that of course doesn't have a leader. That doesn't have a leader, right? Well, that was his point. That was his point. Was he distanced himself from Michelle Bachman and said, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought it was presumptuous of her to come Mm -hmm. on. And of course, her point is, I was invited by Tea Party Express, which is Republican consultants making money off of a program that they have named after this thing that Fox News started two minutes after Barack Obama was inaugurated. They sat down and had a meeting. And so, you know, this is this is not you know, I, I appreciate very much that there are people in America who are concerned about deficits, who are worried about their tax, you know, their the amount of property taxes. I think they conflate a lot of taxation, though. With it's all it's all Barack Obama taxing me to death, you know, and that's well, not what's happening because they're stupid. Because, because they're, they're stupid. stupid. <laughs> we haven't because gotten into stupid. the voters are stupid yet. We're going to have to because save that stupid. for another post. Another. We're going to have an entire podcast, by the way, at some point in the next couple uh-huh. of months on why we hate America. <laughs> so, yeah. Just so you know, we America haters, we haven't forgotten that we need to talk no. about why we hate America. We have to. No. <laughs> But It'll this, be there. this guy did. He he separated himself from Michelle Bachman and said, anyone sure. who comes forward and says they're a leader of the Tea Party, we are not following politicians. We are representing and, and following ideals. And I looked at my television. I said, great. No one in Washington will ever listen to you. You have no plan for Republican consultants, you have no uh, vote plan for Republican candidates, and all you have is a list of principles, which nobody in Washington gives a shit about that. So, yeah, you're no, meaningless. See, no, no. You disagree? I, 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 would, I would have to disagree to this extent, that I have seen with my own eyes conservatives in almost a one breath tout and then discard their leaders. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. when Michael Steele fucked up, oh, he's not the leader of the GOP. Right. Really? Oh, uh, Rush Limbaugh's not the leader of the GOP. You know, when when they say something so unbelievably embarrassing, then they, then everybody step, a, takes massive, a step back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's he's not the leader. Of, he's just an entertainer. He's just a fundraiser. He's a, a congressman. And well, who is the fucking leader of your fucking movie? It's Rupert Murdoch. Let's face it. That's who yeah, it is. Yeah, that's who it but is. Yeah. Repub- conservatives will de- will you know will deny three times before the cock crows anybody who embarrasses them. Newt Gingrich, why he's just crazy, and yeah. then five seconds later, Newt speaking in front of your American Heritage Group, right? And everyone's um, applauding, no, and they, he's making one hundred fifty thousand dollars, right? But you have to understand that all of those things—complete denial, facts bouncing off of you, instant moral equivoc- equivocation with non-existent liberals. Yep, yep. I'm sure Nancy Pelosi done something equally bad. Right. Right. Why and actually, that, that was that woman. That oh, excuse me, that was that guy on on Tweety yesterday. Was well, you never reported when a Democrat said something that we could never put a a base on Guam because it would right. sink into the sea. You never even reported on that, but you'll report on Michelle Bachman saying something stupid. Yeah, and it really is. It's that you're right. It's exactly that bad. You are right. I stand it's corrected. That. Yeah, and it's, and it's and it's instant. It's an absolute Pavlovian reflex yeah. because these people are trained. That when a liberal says this, you bark that way. You bark Nancy and when Pelosi a leader embarrasses you, yeah. Yeah. bark and then say unions really fast. And then say acorn. Acorn. And then yeah. say liberal media. And you know, liberal media and, and the CNN, the liberal oh, and by media the way, at CNN. Both sides do it. Yeah. Which is nobody knows what the hell the conservative cause is anymore. No. Yeah, exactly. You know, you've gotten taxes down to virtually zero. Yep. You've bankrupted the country and you've destroyed the military. 
congratulations. You know, you won. What I see is, I see that there is a level of fear going on among what I would call mainstream Republicans right now, that there is no there there in terms of hitting bottom. When I oh, see, yeah, they're exactly right. When I see Mike Pence this week, and there was another candidate as well, start talking about abortion, that's like, okay, you have run out of places to go. And so the sure check that you can get, you know, you're going to need that sure campaign check, go for the pro-lifers because they're yeah. always going to be there for you. And I, when when I saw that right after the State of the Union, Mike Pence went, you know, whole hog, pro-life rhetoric, I thought, oh boy, there is no bottom. You're just going to, you know, oh. you're going to go to the absolute charcoal core of your base because you have nothing, you have nowhere else to go. You have to go down to magma in order to make sure that you're safe, that you have some support, that you have some checks rolling in for your campaign because you're, you know, there's no, there's no bottom anymore. There is. And and oh, there isn't, and there hasn't been, and this is this is the apocalypse. This is the yeah. Republican apocalypse. It is. This is the conservative meltdown that liberals have been telling you is coming yeah. for three a long four decades. Time. Yeah, and you wouldn't fucking listen. This is the sorcerer's apprentice. You yep. keep, you know, you you have invoked something. You have drawn something out of the ugliest part of the American subconscious. And you, you turn it into a political movement, and now you can't stop it. Nope. And the people who are smiling, you know, the, the, smiling with delight, <laughs> who, are, who are watching the flames climb up into the night. Barack Obama's speechwriters. <laughs> no. The people who are giddy with this are, are Rush Limbaugh, Glenn Beck, yep. who are evil people. Yeah. Who are, who, who are like, let's pour more gasoline on it, who have no problem running it all the way out to the end of the country. But that's why I think the battle isn't between... I don't think Barack Obama's battle is with Michelle Bachman and Glenn Beck. It's between his onward and upward hope, future of America, and people's reality. And if he doesn't do something about unemployment in the next 12 months, all this hopey... You know, I call it hopey changey stuff, just like Sarah Palin. But the mythology that he's creating will be torn down. The mythology that that Michelle Bachman is creating, they're going to eat that celery pudding and tell you it's vanilla every single time. You know, yes, they will. They will. But you know, Barack Obama's nation is reality based enough that if it doesn't start to match what he's saying, it's not going to work. Uh, I'm, well, I'm I'm scared about that. Really, the sense that we're all sort of in this together and we're all going to share the sacrifice, we're going to share the rewards, I believe that is absolutely possible. I think we have more than enough resources and talent to do it. Mm -hmm. I do not think it is possible to do that, however, with, as I've said before, Republicans standing on the overpass of history lobbing cinder blocks Mm -hmm, into traffic. mm -hmm. and Because their vision is their, their entire predicate is destroyed if America turns itself around and becomes that. Because they, they are fighting for a feudal, white, Christian theocracy run by corporations. Exactly. That's their vision exactly. of the future. And, well, and, and that's why I love Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I love Bernie yeah. Sanders because he's calling them on it and putting some of their wacky, crazy ideas on the floor of the Senate where they have to be voted on. You know, and you talked about this. It's funny. I was listening to our podcast from last July of Stupid, Evil, and Crazy. I was listening. To, for some reason, I was listening to that in the car the other day. And you talked about how Republicans are planning and, and working to lose so they can govern from the minority. Because yes. if they do that, then there's no responsibility. They can say slash Social Security. They can hang up 
appointments. They can, you know, screw. They can throw those cinder blocks over and over and over again. Give what's left over to, of the of the wreckage to corporations, and they've met their goals. And they won. And they win. And they'll get their bonuses. And they get their, right exactly. They'll get their bonuses. And Bernie Sanders is saying, "Oh no, that uh, Paul Ryan roadmap that talks about." I love the way Rachel Maddow says this: giving coupons. <laughs> She says, we're going to give 90-year-olds yeah. coupons so they can go out and buy health insurance on the open market. <laughs> you know, and yeah. 90 we're, we're and you're coupons. 90. You know? We're going to give them coupons and put them on an ice flow and yeah. shove them into the free market and say, bye-bye, Grandma. Well, because, Good luck with that. Because buying health care for 90-year-olds does not improve the future. That is not an investment right. in the future. The future is corporations owning the whole pie. And you don't, you know, it's a bad investment, so to right. speak. You know, why would we do that? Because, you know, that's just, we should get, we should make sure that this somehow enriches the insurance companies. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if it, if it can't make a profit, it's invalid. Right. It's, it's, it's morally invalid. And, so that's – I mean I love Bernie Sanders. I love the fact that he, he brings these No, he was going to bring that up as an up. amendment. Yeah, okay. You guys yeah. want to vote. You said this is your roadmap. Okay. Let's, mm -hmm. let's see you vote for this and take this back to your district because the one thing they well, care no. about more than, more than even <laughs> corporations is their cushy job. Well, and I think that's what you know, Barack but, Obama has done really, really well in staying calm. I mean I hate it, but <laughs> staying calm and staying positive and now this onward and upward thing of his – is all of us, you know, we've been told over and over again, you know, he wants to destroy America. He's a secret Kenyan usurper. He's a such and such. And he comes on the stage and says, America is the greatest, most exceptional country in the world. We can do anything. <laughs> what? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> and well, we have the power, that. more power than any other country in the world to inspire our people to greatness. And <laughs> Well, of course you would say well, that. Just, He's a Kenyan usurper liberal socialist. Really? Of course. You know? uh -huh. he, er he erased that. Well, so. well, he erased it for a week. Yeah. Well, and I agree. I agree. Michelle Bachman can say the craziest things. The fucking shit that would get you literally locked up would get you Thorazined and five-point restraint locked up 20 years ago. And she's you know, on the Intelligence Committee. Oh, and because and you know you know now who the chairman of the subcommittee on higher education is. Have you heard? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it Virginia? Uh, it's Virginia Fox from North Virginia Carolina. Fox. Oh well, there's a news flash. We want to thank our listeners. I particularly want to thank our listeners for two things. One is your great emails about how to talk to conservatives based on last week's. Yes. I think we're probably going to do a whole show reading those emails because they're really good. And I've saved them. we got a lot of them. We will get back to that yeah. in a few weeks. We also want to thank our iTunes listeners who really uh, went to town on reviewing our podcast. I'm going to put up a post at Bluegal this week on how to do that because it's confusing. <laughs> so how to review our podcast. In fact, when we post this podcast, I will put instructions on the post at my blog on how to do that. Um, I'll send that on to other people as well. Thank you. I would like to do that, too. I yeah. don't know how either. Well, it's hidden. Where where you review a podcast on iTunes is just, where is it? You, you really have to search. And someone emailed us and asked us how to do it, and I had to go look. It's like, oh, wow, this is really hard. So I realized we really need to let people know. But we love our listeners, and we thank you so much for your emails and support. Our email address is proleftpodcast at gmail.com. Write us anytime. We'd love to hear from you. 
We have a website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, where you can listen to past episodes for free with no download or registration. And again, we're also on iTunes, and we love our iTunes listeners. And thank you very much for rating and reviewing our podcast. At our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, there is also an opportunity for you to drop five bucks in the hat. And thank you so much to the new contributors this week. There were a couple of people who brand new dropped five bucks in the hat this week, and we really appreciate the support in helping keep this podcast viable. Mm-hmm. So you're also helping us cushion the blow to our to our bank account as we prepare <laughs> to go to Netroots Nation with or without free registration. We'll have to see how that works out. I, I hope we get a panel just because I think it would be really fun to do a panel. But we're, go- I, I, we're going I think regardless. A, I think it would be a blast to do a panel. I think we submitted a couple of pretty good ideas as well, really good ideas. Yeah, our, our Ideas, by the way, were um, were twofold. One was about podcasting, specifically about podcasting being the new blogging. And secondly, uh, <laughs> do you want to tell them the title of your, sure. of your panel? The second, the, the second one is entitled, How to Talk Like a Normal Person, for God's Sake. <laughs> well, you left out the for God's sakes, but not Except, the normal person. Yeah, How to Talk I, Like I, a I, Normal I, Person is the title I'll of our like other panel. <laughs> And it really is. It's it's more George Lakoff than, you know, being really insulting. It's really about how good conservatives are at messaging and why can't we get better at that. No, it's not. It's really about being geeky. It's it's, um, What is it about? Well, it's about. An hour and a half long, and it's um, and it, we promise you, it mentions Robert Heinlein at least three times. Well, no, but it will it will mention the West Wing. Um, there, there's a there's a wonderful speech writing moment um, for the second inaugural, the fake second inaugural, where where Will and Toby yeah, are sort right, of sizing each other up, great and critiquing each other's work because they're both very familiar with what each other has written, mm-hmm. and. Toby gets finished sort of insulting Will, but in a very profe- very smart and accurate way, saying, I hope you don't mind you know, some constructive criticism after just dressing him down. And Will turns to Toby and says, no, but you know, maybe the reason that they sent for me was that they think that your writing is you know, obscuritantist policy tracts groaning under the weight of their own irrelevance. <laughs> and, you know, I hate to say this, but when I talk to some of my liberal friends, I hear a lot of really obscure, angry stuff that maybe I know about, but I guarantee you the guy across from you at the office has no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. And it's framed in a very, you know, policy wonkish way. And there's nothing wrong about talking in tribal code well, that's to members it. of yeah. the tribe. Yeah. But for God's sakes, when you're out there trying to get across the message that liberals aren't traitors and they love America and they're really good people and they just want what's best for you and they'd like you to have weekends and paid overtime and no child labor, um, there's a way to say that that makes you sound crazy. (laughs) And there's a way, like like the drunk at the back of the train. Yeah, right. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. And and there's a way to say that that's very non-threatening, assertive, Mm -hmm. and positive. And... All we're trying to do is get people to, when you're out in public, never lie. Never, yeah. ever lie. But there's a way to come across that isn't, you know, that will make people want to share a bus seat with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not well, and, from and you. I think bus seat is a really key element there. I have noticed since I started keeping my eye on 
our local mayoral election, not yours, Driftglass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> which just makes me want to stab somebody in the neck with a pencil, as you've said so many times. <laughs> poor Rom. I never thought I'd say poor. that. <laughs> poor Rom. Poor Rom. Poor, poor. It's, it's hard out here for a pimp, you know? It really is. It's, <laughs> oh, God. It's, uh, but Poor no, Rob. as I have as I have paid attention to the mayoral election here out in Corn Country, uh, mm-hmm. I I think w- and we can talk about this on our panel if it's accepted. One way to really start talking as a liberal in a sane way is to get involved in local politics and start when you're really talking about the sidewalk outside somebody's house and how you want it mm-hmm. to be safe and you want it to be yeah. regulated as to how thick that cement has to be and it can't crack the first winter and you know the roads have to be paved and by the way the fire station that was put on furlough last summer that serves your house and that mm-hmm. you know it takes an, an extra 7 minutes for the other fire station to come service your house because the first fire station was furloughed by the city that's happened here you know, they shut mm-hmm. down a fire station in town for three weeks last summer yep. and yep. because they didn't have any money to pay for it. And that, you know, you start talking about those issues and all of a sudden you've got a lot of common ground with somebody because, yeah. <laughs> because the common ground is right beneath your feet. It's right here in our <laughs> town, right here. This is common ground. We both live yeah. right here physically. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a lot of us... Not only just live in national politics, but we live in blogosphere national politics and MSNBC national politics. And that is just not the world that everybody lives in. If you start yeah. being local, you can, you can appear to be a lot more friendly, I think, and, and safe. You know, oh, no, I really want the sidewalk outside my house and your house as well to be safe for pedestrians. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's a good way to do well, it. Anyway. And there are people who have a hard shell, yeah. who, who you're never going to get to, and who are used to dealing with you know, filthy liberals, and just, just shit bounces off them. You're never going to get to them. But there are people who are soft-shelled, because they never are around anybody who says anything other than what the loudest, drunkest, most you know, idiotic conservative at the end of the bar is saying, and everybody goes along and laughs. They never hear any other point of view, so all they get is the crap that, this, that these sort of people spew. Mm-hmm. Those people, when you meet them across the back fence... You know, you can find, yeah, just like you said, you can find a lot of common ground with those people over issues like garbage collection and mm-hmm. pothole filling and fire protection and neighborhood watch. Yep. Anyway, that's what our panel will be like. It'll be a lot longer and there'll be more swearing, but that's pretty <laughs> much it. So what are the Internet kitties thinking these days? Well, the Internet kitties would like to remind everyone that the palindrome for Sputnik is catnip. Let's think about living. Let's think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the bopping and the lovey, lovey, dovey. Let's forget about the whining and the crying and the shooting and the dying and the fellow with the switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. Let's think about living. Let's think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the bopping and the lovey, lovey, dovey. This podcast is recorded under Creative Commons license, copyright 2011. Driftglass Blue Gal Podcast.